All right. Good morning, Radiant Church. Welcome, you guys. Happy uh, Memorial Day weekend. Yay. Okay. <laughs> uh, I'm Pastor Jeff, and Pastor Mike asked me to fill in this morning. Thank you for joining us, those of you online. We're glad you're here. We're glad you can attend. And I'm going to continue this morning uh, the parenting series um, with... I'm like right in the thick of it right now with a 10-year-old, a 5-year-old, and a one and a half year old and they all feel like they're going on 16. Like Bailey right now, my, my five-year-old daughter, she keeps telling these stories about, well, when I'm 16, and in her mind, 16 is like the age you can do everything. When I'm 16, I'm buying a house. Okay, when I'm 16, I'm going to have a farm. Right now, the biggest dream is a petting zoo. And uh, she has all these animals, and of course, it's going to be in our home. Like, I'm going to live with you guys and have a petting zoo. I'm like, well, wait until you're 16, and we'll talk about it. But <clears throat> Pastor Mike had said, uh, hey, if you're going to talk about anything about parenting, what do you want to talk about? And I'm thinking, like, he's asking me, what do you want me to share about? And, and my thoughts are, well, here's what I'm kind of like learning right now, so I want to know more about it. And I'm like affirming your kids and this and that. He's like, great, you're speaking. I'm like, oh, thanks. So um, I'm excited. I've been thinking a lot about it this week and asking the Lord uh, what I should share. And oddly enough, it starts with a story about a dog. Um, <laughs> Not my dog, but it was my dog at one point. When Crystal and I were first married, we got a puppy when we were staying in Oklahoma. And uh, they just give puppies away for free in Walmart parking lots, apparently. We were on the reservation in Tahlequah, Oklahoma. And um, we uh, got this dog. It was an awesome-looking dog. Uh, he was covered in fleas. At the time, I was learning to... I was taking a practicum and learning Cherokee. So I named it Chook which chook is a Cherokee word for flea. And so um, I really wanted a puppy, but I did not want the responsibility of a dog. And so I asked my parents, do you guys want a dog? My dad's like, yeah, I'd like one. I'm like, hey, great, we got one for free. We'll give it its shots, and you can have it in six months. And so they, they said yes. So um, I had a lot of fun training and raising chook. And one of the things... Uh, he was just a very intelligent dog. I got him to heal, got him to stay. I could go indoors, and he would stay there until I came outside. And I had this little remote control car, and I noticed he started barking at it. So then I started giving him a treat, and I'd say, speak, speak. And uh, he just started to associate those two things. So I was like, oh, I got a dog to speak. That's so cool. And I would show that to my dad when we gave him to my parents. And my dad thought that was the coolest thing, to have a dog that would just, like, bark on command. And one thing you don't do is you just need to realize the, what you're reinforcing in a dog. My parents would sit at the dinner table, and he'd say, Chook, speak. And then Chook would bark, and he'd give him something off his plate. Well, over time, what had happened is every time they sat down for a meal, the dog would just sit and bark at him. <laughs> and, uh, we would dog set sometimes. I'm like, I am not tolerating that. And we'd break him of it after like a week. And then they'd come back. My mom would be so glad, but then it would start again. So uh, here's why I'm telling you that story. Anytime I watch a dog show, often, especially if it's like Caesar, who's talking about these bad 
dog behaviors and everything, often they talk about, well, we first we got to talk to the trainer. We got to talk to the owner of the dog because most of the time it's about the human more than the dog. And the same thing's true about our parenting. Your parenting is personal, but it's not private. And just like dog training, the behavior of our children has more to do with parenting than anything else. Uh, I want to share another story of just my experience as a child. I remember when I was, I'm guessing around eight years old, I was fairly young. I'm the youngest of four boys. My next oldest brother was five years older than me. So if I was eight, he was 13. And um, yeah, that's right. (laughs) Math. And there's something we weren't sharing. My dad was a very harsh father. And uh, I had a lot of baggage from that for years. I carried that. But uh, you'll see why in just a minute. So he was really upset that we weren't sharing. I don't remember what it was. But my dad got very heated in a moment. And he basically grabbed me and said, fine, if you won't share, then neither will I. And he takes me and pulls me out of the house and sets me on the porch and shuts the door. And it was cold out. It must have been fall or winter sometime. I remember there was snow. And I remember sitting there. I don't know how long it was. But I was old enough to know in the moment, I remember feeling, this isn't right. This is an overreach. And at some point in time, my dad let me back in. And the reason I tell you a story like that is not for empathy, uh, but to share that often when things happen to us, the emotions we experience, things are real. The emotions are real. The traumatic experiences we can have are real, but what we believe about it isn't always true. And in that moment, I believed that my place in the home was earned, not given. And I developed a heart of performance. And this morning, one of the main things I want to articulate to you guys is to release your children from perfection. Colossians 3.21 says, Fathers, do not provoke your children, lest they become discouraged. It says, do not provoke your children, lest they become discouraged. I grew up very discouraged. Often, uh, growing up, I had to figure out why I was being disciplined in a moment. And in the midst of discipline, I had to figure out why I was being disciplined. And that, that caused a lot of frustration, and it cultivated a heart in me of performance, and the internal message in my mind was, you better figure this out. And I'm sure as I'm sharing this, many of you are probably equating or connecting some of your own stories, some similar experiences, and I had that my whole childhood. Don't mess this up. Perform. Figure it out, because at any moment... Uh, the boom can be dropped, and and you don't know why. So how do we release our children from perfection? There are two things I'm discovering, two things that I believe the Lord has shown me. One is affirmation. Speak life over them. 
you want to release your child from protection, or from perfection, not protection. If you want to release your child from perfection, speak life over them. Affirm them. Proverbs 18.21 says this, death and life are in the power of the tongue. And those who love it will eat its fruit. This is what I mean by it's more about your parenting than anything else. You are going to eat the fruit of your words over your children, whether those words of life or words of death. They will have a fruit. There's a phrase we say, and this was, this was my experience. Unspoken love is no love at all. Unexpressed love is no love at all. I remember, as I reflect back, and, and certainly I understand often our memory is not, a, is not a total picture of reality, right? Our memory is always tainted. But as I reflect back, probably the first time or one of the few times I remember hearing the words, I love you, from my father was when I left for Bible college. So I'm 19 years old. Because I remember at that moment, he hugged me, and I was, I was leaving, and he said, I love you. And just the thought in my mind was, well, it's late for that, isn't it? It's like, okay, nice to hear, but I needed that for 18 years. Not now, as I'm leaving. And uh, it takes... It takes you stepping out of the dysfunction to recognize the dysfunction. And I grew up thinking my dad was great, and he and he was great. And I and I, this this story ends on a good note. Trust me. But um, my eyes became aware of it as I stepped out of the dysfunction of my family, my background. And I remember at Bible school, I started taking these classes about. Uh, biblical families and, and like what marriage should look like. And I remember like kind of starting to turn against like how my dad raised me. And um, afterwards, I took him out to lunch one time and I basically told him, I don't want to be a father like you or a husband like you. And I meant it as a curse in that moment. I, I don't know if I would have said that in a moment, but that was what, that's what I was doing. Uh, I I don't want to be like you. You are not an example that, that I'm to follow. And I think God was just kind of protecting him because in his heart in a moment, he heard it as, I want to be better than you. And what father doesn't want his son to be a better husband, a better parent, right? So uh, that was kind of how I received it, but that's not how I meant it. And so in my mind, I'm always mulling over this, like, I don't have a great model for parenting, so what do I do? And there was one time when Crystal and I were first married, I heard a speaker share this about his daughter. And I thought, someday if I have a daughter, I'll never forget this. He said, I constantly, I consistently tell my daughter she's beautiful. I want her to know that her beauty is first in her father's eyes so that when a boy comes along and calls her that, it doesn't sweep her off her feet. And I, it started to reflect how many friendships I've had growing up of seeing 
Uh, just that scenario. Women who don't know their beauty first from their father's eyes are deceived in what the world has to offer them. Guys, your words matter. Life and death are in the power of the tongue. And you will eat its fruit. Ephesians 4.29 says, Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up, as fits the occasion, that this may give, give grace to those who hear. No corrupting talk, but only such as is good for building up. I have a test for you guys. This is one way to know how you sound. And I got this from my brother. And it's actually kind of a fun exercise. If you have young kids, it's an enlightening exercise too. If you have young kids, you just ask them, what is something mommy and daddy always says? What is something mommy always says? What is something daddy always says? And you will probably be surprised by, by what you hear. I think when Crystal and I first started doing that, I, one of the first responses is no. <laughs> I'm like, oh, man, that's what my kid thinks. When, and, but here's the thing. It's a nugget of gold for you as a parent to know how you're coming across. How is your kid perceiving you? Because it's not wrong to say no. There are, there are excellent times to say no. But is that the first thing that comes to your child's mind when you ask them, what's something mommy and daddy always say? I'm glad because I'm just now getting to the point, and, and this is something the Lord's been, been stirring in my heart for the last, gosh, I want to say six months to a year. And just last week, as I'm pouring over this, and I'm in my office and Zach's on my phone playing some game or something. And I look at him and I said, Zach, and I don't know if it was just the tone or whatever. He's like, yeah. I'm like, you know what? He goes, you love me, Dad. <laughs> I was like, yeah, I do. And it just, it, it blessed my heart that that's the first response. And I'm not saying that, that I've figured it out, but I'm just celebrating that that's happened. <laughs> like, it's no longer no, it's, yeah, I know, Dad. Excuse me. If you have older kids, it gets a little trickier, especially if they know this question because they'll manipulate you. <laughs> Even Zach's kind of getting to that. I'm like, Zach, what's something daddy always says? And he's like, that I can have ice cream. I'm like, no. <laughs> no. <clears throat> if you have older kids, adult children, or even I would probably say teenager um, here's this question. What is it like being on the other side of me? What is it like being on the other side of me? And here's the rule with this question. You cannot defend. The only words you're allowed to say in response is thank you. Not I'm sorry. You might not be sorry. Not forgive me. It's thank you. Because if you defend, you have 
you've alienated your child from a safe place to share? What is it like being on the other side of me? You let them share and you just say thank you. And then you take it to the Lord. This, those two questions will help you discover, am I a parent that affirms my child? Or am I a parent that tears my child down without even knowing it? Your child needs the safety to share. And that's the second thing. So how do we release our children from perfect, per, perfection? Words of affirmation. Our children, we need to speak life over them. And number two is acceptance. Our children need to know that they're loved even when they do something bad. And this has been part of the language now that we have tried to express in our kids is we're learning more to say I love you as a more routine thing. And then we say I love you even when you mess up. To the point where now my daughter is starting to say that back to me. Dad, I know you love me even when I'm bad, right? Yes, I do. Our children need to know that they are loved even when they do something bad. How many of you, and I don't know if you can ever avoid this, but how many of you didn't go to your parents when you probably should have because you were afraid that they would be mad? And if you had gone to your parents, how much better that would have been? Now, how many of you, how many of you as a parent want your kid to come to you when they need you and you don't want them to be scared of it? Yeah, here's how we do that. I love you even when you do something bad. It doesn't mean you don't have consequences, but it means you're accepted. In Ephesians 6, 4, fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in, di in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. There's still discipline. There's still instruction. And this is what Pastor Mike has, has taught on discipline. And this was... Uh, coming from my background, it, my wife and I sat down and decided uh, our children will, will not be disciplined until they are explained first what the discipline is because that was my wound, right? In the middle of it, I had to figure out what I was being disciplined for. I got a story I'm going to tell. Um, <clears throat> this is kind of funny. I hope, I hope it comes across funny. Uh, it was just a different time. My dad, he was, we were remodeling our house, and they had these, like, wood strips, the, like the wood tongue and groove that, like, you'd put on a wall. And uh, there was one he, he spanked us with. And we got tired of that thing, and we'd always try to hide it, and he'd always find it. <laughs> well, uh, there was a stack of this wood in a corner, like, piled up, and we discovered one time, let's hide it in a pile of wood, and he'll never find it. And he didn't. For the longest time, he couldn't find that thing. And so out of desperation, he went to the pile, and he picked the same one out again. And we're just like, oh, this isn't working for us. Um, maybe I won't share that. That should have been funnier, but. We, we, hid, we hid a lot of things as boys growing up. We got away with a lot of things. There was one time when 
This will be funny. I got to redeem that last story. So this one will be funny. Uh, our parents left us alone, and we were throwing a ball or something in the house. And my dad had this candy jar he loved. And it was about the size of a football, but it was the shape of a walnut. And it was a ceramic jar. The bottom half, the top half would lift off, but on top of this walnut was a little squirrel. And that was like the handle. And you'd lift off the whole top. And it's like a candy dish. We'd, there'd be NMMs or something in there. And we were throwing this ball around. We hit that thing, and it shattered. And we're like, oh, no. And uh, we figured out we could put this back together and they'll never know and so um we meticulously found all the pieces super glued them all back together and uh, no we didn't glue the top half on we knew to glue them separately and then let it cure and then we we put it all back together and um my mom had this habit of saying I can't have anything nice because she had four boys that always broke stuff and, uh, but she did have these really nice end tables, and they had a glass top to them in the living room, and it was great because we didn't break the end table. So uh, we got away with it. Like, we glued it all back together. We put it, put it back together, put the candy back in. There's probably bits of glass in it, but who knows? You remember things different, right? So my dad gets home, sits down. He opens it up, takes some, some candy, and puts it back to him. We're like, we got away with it. Until like a week later, or some, some days later, my mom went to clean it, and we had glued it to the glass top <laughs> of the... And until the day when they got rid of those tables, there was like a chip of ceramic of this little figurine stuck to the glass top of the... That one was free. So we didn't tell them because we thought for sure that we don't have a safe place to tell them we broke this thing. Here's the deal, guys. When it comes to acceptance and when it comes to bringing up children in the discipline and instruction of the Lord, there's one thing I want you guys to hear that's crucial for parenting and just life in general, and that's character is built over time and exposed in a moment. And we often think and celebrate these great stories in our culture of where character's shown. But what we don't know is it's like an iceberg. What we see is what's exposed in a moment, but what was built over time. So if you're building character into your children, what character are you building into them? Because there will come a time when it's exposed. And this means in moments when we're cracked under pressure, what's underneath is what shows. And that is where you have your greatest influence. You're a good parent. I know you're a good parent because you're here. And you have more influence than you think. I see this a lot, and I started noticing this years ago. And everybody has a bad moment, but again... Character is something that's just exposed, right, in a moment. And because uh, this is probably you. This was me. This is me sometimes. But I'm in the store. I'm at the checkout, and I see this kid just crying and screaming and yelling because they want that candy in the checkout aisle. And sometimes my first response is, oh, that poor parent. Like, now I get it. 
And, and I usually just watch, and often what I hear is the parents screaming and yelling back. And if I had the audacity, what I just want them to know is you're training in this moment right now. You're showing them how to act. You're building that character into them. And we all have those moments, right? But, but this is something that gets repeated time and time and time again. Here's why I say this. Your heart needs to be in the right place to father or mother a child. And you'll never reflect the father's heart until you first receive it. So there's good news in that. The good news is the power that you have to impact. It's not about my kid is this problem child and look at all this stuff out of my control. No, it's the power you have to impact. God put you in that position as the most influential person in that young boy or young girl's life. And I know we, we advertise this a lot and I do it because it's meaningful and I do it because I hope that just a few actually believe that I'm being honest. But a powerful way of encountering the Father's heart for you is to attend one of our women's or men's events. It is that significant. And I want to share my story. It's when I went six years ago, if anyone didn't need to go, it was me. I was serving all three services here at church. I was a missionary on support, working at a Bible college. Like, I didn't have any issues that I thought. Um, if, if you could look at somebody, anybody from the outside and think they have it together, they don't, they don't need something like this. It was me. And I recognize that probably sounds arrogant, but that's as truthful as I can be. But on the other side of that, if anybody needed it more, it was me. Because what had happened is I had become so, I say this all the time, so functional in my brokenness that I didn't even know I needed healing. And at this time, I have a six-year-old son, and in my best efforts as a father, all I could pour into him was functional brokenness. We have a... Uh, I heard a, I went to a class kind of on like speaking, uh, public speaking and, and sharing from the pulpit. And one of the things the guy said, and I, I've always remembered this, if you're going to share a story, let that person be the hero. Don't share a story about somebody and not have them be the hero. And I want to finish the story about my dad. I was serving one event and, and kind of had these struggles with my father, and, and um, the Lord told me in a moment, you get your dad to go on an event, and I'll heal your relationship. And I thought, okay, well, if anybody can do it, it's you. And I thought, he won't go. And I invited him. He said, yeah, I'll go. <laughs> Crystal's jaw, like, dropped. And I said, I'll pay for you. Go. And uh, there came a moment where... I had the opportunity to, like, pray for my dad. 
And I thought, do I want to do that? I don't know. And the Lord just, just took me back to that time when you took him out for dinner and you said, I don't want to be a dad like you and I don't want to be a father like you. And I've since repented that because I don't want to be a dad like my dad. I don't want to be a father like my father. But what I did is created a vow in my heart where I was in control. And the Lord had to change that. And, and what that became is, by God's grace, I'll be a better man than my dad. And there's a big difference. It's subtle, but there's a big difference in those two statements. And so I had the opportunity to, to pray over him, and I thought, well, I'm going to revoke the curse and pray a blessing. And I saw my dad, and he's weeping, as you guys probably seen men come back from these events. And uh, I embraced him, and we cried, and he just kept saying, I had no idea. I had no idea. And I said, I know. I, I had an idea. That's why I had you go. And uh, he said, thank you. Thank you. And I prayed a blessing over my dad. Weird for a son to pray a blessing over his father, but restorative, healing in the moment. And I began to learn some things about my dad. I had said un, unspoken love is no love at all. Unexpressed love is no love at all. And that's how I felt growing up. But then I began to learn about his dad. And he shared some stories with me. And um, his, his father was incredibly abusive to him and his mother and his brothers. And he'd try to stand up for his mom and get beat down. And there was a moment he said, I remember as a young child looking down the hallway, my parent, grandma and grandpa were arguing. And um, she had a weapon behind him over his head. And he said she could have done it, but she hesitated. And he turned around and saw her, and he said, beat the living daylights out of her. And I'm sitting back hearing this thinking, this, how can a young child see his parents do that? And what it showed me is my dad wasn't perfect, but he certainly did not duplicate what he was given. My grandpa has, you know, said, made this statement, I'm so proud my boys didn't go to jail. My dad and my uncle, and that was his, his like, claim to fame. Like, yeah, my boys didn't end up in jail. And my dad made this statement to me. He said, Jeff, it would have been better had I went to jail and learned love than staying out of jail. Here's where this, this comes full circle. After my dad had just had that encounter with the Lord and he healed his, his heart, they came over for Thanksgiving to our house here in Jackson. And, you know, my, I'm, this is just still kind of all the process. Like, I'm still, like, uh, the Lord's still ministering to me with this. And so it's like, all right, I kind of have this new foundation with my dad. I don't know what this is going to look like. And, you know, what it always was is he would come we would get together for holidays. He'd sit on the couch, be uninvolved, disengaged, and watch TV and then eat the food when it was ready. 
um, he comes to our house and Bailey comes up to him with a book. And my dad, I've never heard my dad read out loud, never read to me. And he pulls up Bailey and he's like, would you like me to read you a book? And she says, yes. And then he says, Zach, come here. And he pulls Zach up on his lap. And I'm like in the kitchen watching this. I'm like, what is happening? And he looks at Zach. He goes, do you know I love you? And in that moment, saying that to my son was like all that I needed to hear all my life. It only takes a moment for God to restore. And that's why there's hope for you. And if you're a grandparent in a room, there's hope if you feel like I've messed this up. That's not true. That's just a heart of performance. The Lord will heal. And my dad will play games with my kids. He'll, he'll pick them up. He'll embrace them. Guys, you can do this. You can do this. God has positioned you to create an environment where children thrive. And today you can change the trajectory of your child's life. You are the greatest influencer of your child's character. So we need to release our children from perfection. There's two ways we do that. Affirmation, speaking words of life over them. And acceptance. Our children need to know that they are loved even when they do something bad. There's this interesting section in Hebrews 11. Hebrews 11 is called the Hall of Faith. And uh, it recounts these great acts of faithful things that men have done throughout time. And it starts with Abel. It goes on to Enoch. By faith, Abel offered to God a sacrifice more acceptable. By faith, Enoch was taken up so that he would not see death. By faith, Noah being warned by God, constructed an ark. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out of a place, go to a place that he would not receive an inheritance. By faith, Sarah received power to conceive. By faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac. Verse 20 comes something interesting. These are all like significant life actions that these men do, significant steps of obedience to the Lord where there's an uncertain outcome. They don't know what's going to look like. They don't know what's going to happen. In verse 20, it says, By faith, Isaac invoked a future blessing on Jacob and Esau. And Jacob, when dying, blessed each of his sons. And then it kind of goes back into these big actions. By faith, Joseph made mention of the Exodus. By faith, Moses was hidden for three months. He 
by he refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He clung to his heritage by faith. He kept the Passover. He crossed, they crossed on the Red Sea. Red sea. By faith, the walls of Jericho. So, so there's all these actions, these big monumentous moment, moments. But sandwiched in the middle of this chapter, there's two men that pray a blessing over their kids. And God highlights that. By faith, they spoke a blessing over their children. My question to you today is, are you willing or would you speak a blessing over your kids by faith? Faith is the substance of things hoped for. Do you hope for great godly kids? It's the substance of things hoped for. It's the... Expectation, I think is the word, of of things unseen. By faith, may you grow to be a young man in the Lord. May you hear his voice. May you walk by faith and not by sight. May the Lord bless you. May the Lord keep you. What if your parents spoke that over you? I know this is a very heavy conversation, but I hope that my goal is not to preach information this morning, but to preach transformation. I hope this is stirring in your heart the influence that you have over your children, and it's never too late. Grandpas can pray blessings over grandkids. Grandmas can pray blessings over grandkids. Can you imagine what would stir in the heart of a kid as a father spoke those words over him. It's never too late. We're, in a, we're ending a little early, so the guys can come out and play. I'm going to call them out. They don't like that, but... They, you're, thank you, Jim. Uh, if you're a parent or a grandparent, I'd like you to stand up if you would, please. And I'd like to pray over you as we close, as I close the message this morning. And I I just want to pray that the Holy Spirit gives you words of life. I want to pray an impartation into you of words of wisdom and words of life. And even if you feel like, well, I, I might not have biological kids, but if you're a spiritual parent, this is appropriate too. Or if someday you want to have kids, This is appropriate. And would you just hold your hands out like you're receiving a gift? Because I believe the Lord's going to honor this. Father, I ask today for words of life to be deposited into these men and women in this room. These men and women before me, Lord. The greatest influencers to the hearts of kids in their home. Parents and grandparents alike, I I pray, Lord, that words of character would pour forth from their mouths and into the spirit of their children and in their grandchildren. Father, I pray that you you would give wisdom on how to show love in the midst of discipline, in the midst of correction, like like you do, Lord, you're, 
your word says it's the kindness of God that draws us to repentance. May we be a reflection of that as parents, Lord. We still draw our kids into correction and repentance, but we do it through our kindness, Father. We correct out of love and kindness as you do. And I pray that spirit is just deposited in our hearts. just in this moment in your own words I'd like you to just ask the Lord ask the Holy Spirit for a picture of what it looks like to display the Father's heart to your children you just just say this Lord how do I display your heart to my kids the Lord showing you that do it do it because I believe the Lord showing you something that will change the trajectory of your child's life and you will not be disappointed you will not God's not going to lead you in something that's going to cause a scorn or cause damage if the Lord's shown you this is how you reflect my heart to your children, do it. Maybe it's an apology. Maybe it's uh, a repentance of your own as a parent. Maybe it's specific words of affirmation. Maybe it's a daddy-daughter date or a mother-son date or a, or a boy's night out or a girl's night out. Father, I just thank you for this moment. And I pray right now that as you're speaking, that you would just seal this in our hearts. I pray even this weekend, many of us are going to have days with our family tomorrow, that you will show us what it looks like to breathe your life and love into our children, Father. That it always be on our minds that character is something we're developing in each moment. So that when it's exposed, it has been set in place by your hands and by our submission as parents.